Hello, good day, and welcome to How to Be Unpopular podcast number 243. If you hear any light toddler babbling sounds in the background, that is baby monitor. Uh, we're going to get through this regardless of jingly bunny sounds and toddler babbling. you gotta got to take time when you have it. It is winter out there in Kamloops. There will be zero, zero times skating happening. Uh, this kind of weather, even in the parkades, so much stuff gets tracked around. There was a nice minus 20 streak this week, just consistently dumping snow. So it's not happening, which is okay. I'll touch on why that's good. Um, and minus 20 in Canada, I don't know when you convert that to US, how cold it is, but you can figure it out. So it's a new year, a new decade, and it went by really fast. I have a theory about that. I don't know if it went by fast for, for you, but definitely did for me. We were all so busy on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube, and people were watching Netflix so much that you just don't even realize a decade has passed. It went by really fast. I don't watch a lot of Netflix, but I definitely spent a lot of time on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, which I'm gonna ixnay in this coming decade. But it was a good decade for skating. Probably one of the best. Cause you got 1990 to 2000, that was a great decade. But then the dark years of 2000 to 2010, and then it's kind of like coming, circling back around right now in a good way. But then also taking pieces that were forgotten in the early 90s and applying it to the, the future. It's a really good combo of stuff. Um, MB7 is finished. I was supposed to record this just before finishing in Mushroom Blading 7, but um, life happens. It's a busy time. Also, you have to give us props for releasing it, was it a month before it was supposed to come out? Not only was it finished before the release date, but it was released before the release date. I'm trying to think of when that's actually happened in skating history. Props to us. So you can count on us. When we say release dates for the next two videos, three, they're gonna come out. They might even come out before that, but they'll come out on the day that we say. I'm trying to be professional here, you know? This is rollerblading, and rollerblading is about being professional and on time. It always has been. <laughs> um, a really weird part about working on a video, every single time this happens, there's a part where you're filming it. And then, at least for me, there's a part where I shift into editing mode where you start playing around with stuff on a timeline and then you're still in filming mode but then there's a part where it clicks and you're mostly in editing mode and you just know that filming is done. I think it's dangerous if filming is never done. You always should uh, try and cut it off at some point and have a container for all of the footage, a project for all of the footage that you're getting and, and working on. It's insane to think that there's these companies uh, there's Baker 4, I can't remember how many years between Baker 3 and 4, it was definitely over a decade. 
And Vans released that five-year video that it's funny, these things still just get treated like things in the cycle of, of uh, videos and edits being released. In skateboarding, it's crazy. I feel so bad for how much amazing stuff gets released and then just talked about briefly. And then it's almost like a day or two later, it's not, uh, it's not in the conversation anymore. How did I get here? Oh, the switch to editing. Oh yeah, putting your footage in a container. I think over time, um, people will end up celebrating what is classic and what isn't. Things will pop to top of mind, but there's so much stuff. It's insane the effort that people put into these things. It's really important to not have any expectations when you make these things. It's more about the ritual and the tradition of, of working on a project with friends and putting something out that marks a certain uh, way you thought about skating or, yeah. It's why we have albums or movies or you collect everything in one part and then release it and then you move on to a new thing. Weird little time capsules. But yeah, so bizarre moving to the, the editing mode because you just know filming's done. That happened, I thought we'd be filming a little bit more for MB7 going into October, November, December, but it was right around then when I, I started to hit a stride of placing stuff in the timeline and everything felt really nicely organized. Um, it, was, it was going, it was going. So I'm very happy that it was a smooth process. Gotta say, my footage organization um, from the early 2000s to now has gotten a lot better. It's funny to think about the early days of working on videos with Todd Mason. There was, there was zero organization for footage. Uh, by Better Than Baseball, things started to get labeled and it was easier to play with stuff. But it was just chaos before that. You just, you would be, um, you would be stoned and then just looking at tapes and come, coming up with ideas. You had a lot of time to do that too don't have that luxury these days. You need to be organized. In order to be creative, you need to prepare to be creative. At least when you're older. Because if you're getting an hour or two for editing, you need to have all of your notes ready of where you want to place things or... It's, it's great. In, in the year 2020, since we're in the future, well, it was 2019, you, have, you can have your uh, you can have an Evernote with all of your notes. I would send Todd all of um, each session would be cut together and then Todd could take notes on things that he thought were interesting. Uh, we both had the soundtrack picked out. Like while you're at work and while you're going about your everyday life, there's like little bits and pieces that you can work on and it can slowly form and it makes it way easier when you sit down for an hour or two to edit. And it's so fun. Having like a smooth process of working makes being creative much easier. The younger Joey would not have believed that. Because chaos is good too, but it's just, it's just not feasible at this time. So we started a Patreon. Now, I was against this for the longest time, but we're in a new decade. Um, it just feels like the right time to do it. Uh, I can tell you of some reasons on why 
you should possibly support the Patreon. But you can just watch and listen to our stuff and not support it. It's completely fine. We'll still be making stuff regardless. It's not like all videos, commentaries, and podcasts are behind a paywall. That's not the idea. It's more, here are some reasons uh, why you should possibly support it. So if you've ever watched um, Illusion Under Canadian Skies, How to Be Unpopular, OK Buddy, Fuck Whatever, Cirque du Soleil, Better Than Baseball, Mushroom Blading 1, Mushroom Blading 2, Mushroom Blading 3 and 4, Mushroom Blading 5, which is Prove Yourself 1, Mushroom Blading 6, which is Wacky Mode 1 and 2, if you watch Big Wheels 1, Prove Yourself 2, Big Wheels 2, Wizard Frame Testing, Zone, Prove Yourself 3, the failed sequel to Zone, which is period, in brackets, inline skating film, uh, Big Wheels 5, which was a flop, I need to remember to put that in the full-length videos playlist, if you've watched MB7, if you've watched many of the various edits we've made, the series, Todd and Joey series, the How to Be Unpopular series, the Suck It series, all of the blade practice videos. If you've listened to the previous 242 of the podcast, some which might be commentaries, so maybe it's closer to 220 podcasts. If you've watched the 20 plus commentaries with many more to come, if you've enjoyed the best of blade from 2012 to 2020, the recent one, which is the last one, um, or lesser things. If you've enjoyed any of the obsessive posting on Instagram, Facebook for almost a decade, some which is good, some which is bad, but there's a lot of gems in there if you go back. If you enjoyed the Seba in Canada edit, which we did not make, but we skated in, um, or if you've enjoyed flip-flops, which I edited for Leon, or if you enjoyed Todd skating in Imagine Blade Sean, 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 Imagine Blade Sean, particularly his 720. Those are some reasons, if you've enjoyed any of that, then consider joining the Patreon to uh, that, that list right there is the past 22 years of stuff. So the plan is to do 20 more years of stuff. Um, we'll reevaluate our position when we get to about, uh, you know, 60 years old, 57, 55, that'll, that'll bring us to that time. But the plan is to continue doing this. So if you've enjoyed any of that stuff and you want to see more of that stuff, follow the process, any of that, then support it. So there's that. And I would like to thank uh, Flotos, Sean, Paul, Joe, Craig, Max, and Simon, who are the first, uh, oh shit, sorry the first Patreons. We got a couple, we got some core riders, we got some swivelly boppers, and there's one blade god. Thank you to the one blade god. Much appreciated, coffee will be bought, gas will be purchased, equipment will be repaired or new stuff will be found, and more stuff will be made. Uh, winter, half sucks but it's a necessary part of the process in Canada. I feel like I talk about this every winter on the podcast, but it's really important uh, to reflect and think a lot about stuff and heal up. Um, <laughs> shit, I think I might have to grab her. She's getting restless. Oh, we're good. It's It's... Winter is mentally 
challenging because you can't skate. So you have to find other ways to stimulate the mind or the body. Um, so I do a lot of thinking. I do a lot of listening to music, devouring music. Movies are more difficult because you got to get a lot of sleep when you're dead. So just listening to lots of music, starting to pick the soundtrack and starting to think about what I want to do with MB8. We definitely have a direction. We have everything picked out. The soundtrack though currently is like 243 songs, which I'll have to whittle down eventually. But um, it's also really important to heal up. There's always so many little uh, painful things when you're filming consistently. Because there was a lot of filming. When we brought the lunchtime sessions in, there was weeks that I would be skating five or six times a week. Really intense. Lots of bashing on the knee. Do I have to get her? No, we're not good. It is now two hours into the future. The toddler is napping, in theory. Hopefully, fingers crossed. But let me get back to it. Winter, although mentally challenging, is just a necessary part of reflecting on skating, healing up, thinking about new projects, devouring creative stuff like albums and movies, which again, I don't have a lot of time to watch movies, so they better be damn good when I do watch them. Just devouring inspiration to figure out your next project. It's always fun to work on a project, release it just before winter, have a fresh brain. All of the stuff that you were thinking about with the previous project is now there's so much free space for new stuff to come in, which is great. Mm. And I would ski more in winter, but my relationship to skiing still, especially since becoming a dad, it's just, it's so much time out of the day, so much money, so much work. I love it, that skates, you just put them on and go. You can even go out your front door if you live in a place that has a pavement. Just put them on and go. You can do it like 10 or 15 minutes, no lift ticket required. And I tried street skiing. My God, what a production. It was kind of fun, but it was, I think I'll try that a little bit. It, it was, I don't know, just grab a sled or slide down stuff on your shoes. I, no, I love street skiing, but like as a quick activity to do in the winter, it's not a quick activity. Same with skiing on a mountain. So, but I do remain a huge fan of watching skiing and uh, I don't like the mountain culture thing, but I love street ski videos and that whole thing going on. I still follow it and I still find more inspiration from that sometimes than rollerblading even. And it's about how, how open they are to um, using their equipment in weird ways. It's, it's really impressive to watch. A lot of the times you're watching videos some of the classics of skiing feel like watching brand new Mind Gamer or Joe Navran videos. Sorry for taking so many sips of water. If you haven't seen Eat the Guts or Oil and Water or uh, what's that one with Shay Flynn? Not 10 and 2, the Step Productions one. Mutiny? My God. There's so many classics, all of the bunch videos. Uh, but that's why, you know. When I'm talking about winter that is mentally challenging, people are probably thinking, Joey, why don't you go skiing? You're a fan of skiing. I, I would, but it's more of like a one time, you know, once a year, once every two years, honestly, 
that's how little I do it. It's fun and I suck at it, but it's if you only have like an hour here or two hours there, you want to try and get more out of your time. And that's skiing's just not an activity where you have an hour or two. Maybe when maybe when my daughter's older we can do it. I don't know. Whatever she wants whatever she gets into within reason. Skiing would be a good one. Um I got anti-rocker wheels. Now I was inspired by a post by Colin Martin um, on Instagram stories, I think. I can't remember if it was Instagram stories or just a straight up post where I love his skating. Lots of people obviously love his skating. That's my last drink, I promise. Because it's always cool to see people take skating in their own direction and he's really done that um and you would think with some of the stuff that he does i think he was on tri rocker before that it's like he must have a flat setup but he's in ante and uh i like all of his recent skating in ante and i liked what he was talking about that there's definitely with like wizard or flat or this is hard to explain but I have always had in my head, if you're grinding objects, you don't need a super complicated frame, but all, a lot of other stuff in skating, there's better technology for it. But Colin Martin is like, he's a good example of making, taking anti-rocker in a direction that you wouldn't think. Um, I do still disagree with him though, that like you can swivel in anti-rocker, and it's possible, and if you know the technique, but it's almost like you're doing a, a heel toe without your, but your feet are s still on the ground. It doesn't feel good or feel at all like a swivel in like a wizard or a flat setup. So, but anyways, I was inspired by this post, so I got anti rocker wheels. I was also, I read, reread the Shane Coburn. He was a great marketer. So when the Higgs boson was going to be released, there was a big article about the history of grinding or, or the history of anti-rocker. I can't remember what it was. And I can't remember if it's on the Blade Museum or if it was on Wayback Machine. Um, someone will know where that is. It's a really good article. And it's about uh, his own experience with anti-rocker. And I think right around Brain Fear Gone, maybe it was after Brain Fear Gone. Because Elliot makes a really good case for skating flat, especially in his um, Brain Fear Gone section. Some of the ways that he curves with flat is anti-rocker is possible to do it, um, but it looks a little bit stickier, like the curves are longer. And you almost have to like lift up on your toes to make the curve, if, the, if you understand what I'm saying. Like you can do sharp turns, but you have to do weird things where you lift your weight in your toes so you can lean back more in the heels. Anyways, they, it was Shima, Latimer, Feinberg. I can't remember if in Brain Fear Gone, Feinberg was skating flat or anti, but a lot of progressive inline skating tricks were being done in anti around that era. And the article's really interesting. So I remember being a sucker for the marketing. I was a sucker for all of Shane's marketing. Um, Jado, the frames, the boots, um, the Higgs boson. I think that's all of them. Like watching the Dustin Latimer uh, 
parking lot, the MOOC edit. And then thinking that you can do super creative Cessolati things into little curbs. I love that idea. But then I got the frames and realized I wasn't Dustin Latimer and that I couldn't do the cool Cessolati uh, spinny things into curbs. I definitely tried, but um, hard to do that stuff being a tall guy. I learned other techniques later in life where I looked at swivels and, and stuff like I do Cessolides. So the last time, I, I've skated anti-rocker a few times. Um, once when I had my remedies, not rems, but in 19, thanks for snoring, Hank. In 1999-ish, I had the remedies skates. They were size eight and a half with probably the shortest size 50-50 frame. So it wasn't a huge grind space for flat. And I skated those anti and skated really good, actually. It was a very progressive inline skating trick time for my skating. Um, I learned a lot of shit in that time and it was the shortness of the frame with the precision of that boot. That was really good, anti-rocker-wise, that was really good. But I got the Higgs boson, however you say it, um, in 2001-ish maybe, or 2000, with the gray, I had gray and black remedies, mind game wheels on the outside, Higgs on the inside, uh, and I had a good time skating those. And I skated, I think, freestyle a little bit after that. And then I think it was the physics frame that made me go back to flat after that. That and uh, smoking marijuana as well, probably inspired me to go back to flat because <laughs> it, it just felt better. But then I it was a long hiatus from anti-rocker until 2014, whenever the Broskow Create Originals part came out and it was like, he, I think he had the forest green M12s. So sometimes over winter you can have a skate crisis or any kind of mental crisis related, related to a product where you can't do the activity, so you're overthinking it. So classically, I've got skates just before winter or during winter, or you order stuff because you're watching things that you're like, oh yeah, maybe similar to the Latimer thing. Maybe if I get uh, like some really tight fitting M12s and I try anti-rocker again, I'll be able to skate like Alex Broskow. Maybe, maybe I will. And then, and then I got, so I got Create Originals, I got Anti-Rockers, I think I got Dead Wheels for the outside, and then I got, um, I tried to downsize into the size nine uh, V13 foot torture device is what it was, because I had the intuition. And uh, I can tell you right now, I, I didn't even come close to skating like uh, Alex Brosco. And in fact, my skating got worse and uh, I didn't have any fun at all. And uh, I ended up selling that setup. Everything on it, I wanted to get the bad mojo away. So I, I sold the Create Originals with the anti-rocker wheels. And I think, that was, I think I sold all of it. And then I sold those boots. Bad choice. You know, when you're not doing the activity, you're just thinking about it too much. And you have to remember what works for you. And uh, I still haven't learned this lesson, which I'll talk about. But you got to get skates that fit your feet for grinder blading. It's just, or, or fit your feet fairly well. Like you don't, Danny Beer, 
is a very good example of somebody who can downsize in his skates because he kind of uses his skates like big wheel grind a little bit of everything. And you can see the precision, like his the power that he gets out of that. And I could too, but I just... Uh, I, I can't I can't do it anymore for grinder blading for aggressive skating I can't um, but power to you if you can't I was trying to convince myself for the longest time that I could squeeze into a, a smaller boot again um, but this recent time where I started skating anti again um, it was it felt the first session felt really shitty like I purposely went to the old skate park where it has lots of cracks, the pavement's not very good, the transitions aren't smooth, um, and it felt horrible. It, I, I almost gave up right away, um, but then I was grinding the little parking block curb, and Royale started to feel really good, and then I think I did a backslide, I, I did a step-on, ungrabbed back torque, that felt really good. And it started to feel good, like the feeling of grinds in anti-rocker, the way you could lean into them and distribute your weight felt really good. So, you know, it was a lunchtime session and then I skated a few more times. And then it was when I got to skate the newer park, like very smooth surface, lots of nice objects to grind. And it felt a little weird, like the first few roll arounds, because I've been used to skating so many fast or flat or wizard setups in that park. But then it, it started to come back and it started to feel like um, some of the, or the way that I like to skate when I had the Higgs in the early 2000s. Um, you kind of get used to the stickiness of it and then you get used to how, how um, you can just haul ass. I mean, you can do this in Wish in the big blocks but it's a different feeling of hauling ass because there's still a little bit of technique on how you lean with those frames because they're taller. So it was the, the feeling of a lower profile frame with zero wheel bite. Although I will say anti-rocker wheels, because I was in the Eulogy ones that are more rounded, you still get wheel bite in them, especially if something's not, um, not wax. Like I can see why there's an obsession with wax in rollerblading because Anti-rocker wheels still stick. Definitely plastic does too. But I can report that I'm gonna continue attempting to skate anti-rocker over the next for the next project over the next two years. I always switch back and forth between things, but I surprisingly enjoyed skating anti-rocker. But this is the thing: it's for grinding objects. That's, or for like, thank you, Hank. It's like for grinding objects or skate park. Outside of that, for like real street skating with crappier pavement feels horrible. Um, and there's a limited amount of things you can do in it in terms of like cars. You can do it. It's just the technique is different and it doesn't, it just doesn't feel the same or as good. But got lots of anti-rocker wheels, got lots of setups. I highly recommend, um, I didn't like Create Originals because they felt very hollow and cheap is the best way I can describe them. I understand why they're popular because of the um, frame, the bolt protection is really thick and I love how much material is in the front and back, the part that usually wears uh, into the bolts. 
But yeah, the 5050s anti-rocker, they feel really good. Highly recommended. The sponsor logos at the start of uh, MB7 are not uh, sponsor logos. They are things that we enjoy and use and wanted the tradition and ritual of, of stickers or sponsor logos to continue on. So I'm not associated with 5050, but I love the products and wanted the sticker in the intro. The frames are really good. I would argue, my personal opinion, better and more solid than Create Originals. Maybe I gotta try Create Originals again. Somebody can convince me. But, uh, you know, I try everything. I have the, I also have the uh, medium wish frames just came, but there's no way <laughs> I'm gonna be skating those anytime soon. The snow is not melting. What else do we have here? So thank you Colin Martin and Shane Coburn for inspiring me to try Anti-Rocker again. And also thank you Brian Shima for being Brian Shima. That post was amazing to see that he got skates. I bet Razors sold at least three pairs of skates from that post. Uh, grinding is incredibly hard on the hips and knees. It's funny because now that I'm 37 going into 40 slowly. Um, I've been doing so much big wheeling over the years that grinding I would do once in a while and then filming for this video. There'd be, yeah, days where I do grinds a bunch of days in the week and I had skates that were downsized and I was being extremely hard on my body. I love to stomp landings and stuff. Um, out of grinds, just feels really good, or being like very hard on the landing. I'm not like a light-footed grinder skater, depending on the trick. So my hip and knee definitely were injured going into this winter, just from repetitive grinding and stomping motions. It was worth it, but I think with skates that fit me a little bit better now, it's very important as you're aging if you're doing a lot of grinds and stomping out of grinds to have skates that fit, to be doing strength exercises in the legs, rec skating is a good one, um, and to be stretching. Because I was in a streak from for a few months where I was doing lots of grinds, probably not stretching. It was the lunchtime sessions, you just put your skates on, so you only have, you have less than an hour, and you get, get your tricks, and you use your in, intense caffeine energy and then you have to go back to work. So there's not really a lot of time to slowly warm up. Um, and I think that, that did it too. But I, have, I went to physio, I have some exercises, the knee's slowly getting better. Sorry, I kicked the table there. Um, and then I have the blue thems now, which have the them intuition. They fit way better than, uh, I loved the Darst, but I was stubbing my toe um, and I loved how precise they were, but I, for grinder blading, ninja fitting skates are just not important for grinder blading. For, for wizard style skating and wheel slides and things like that, ninja fitting skates are important. You want that precision. If you're going full speed and you're gonna lean over onto the edges of your wheels and slide on rough pavement, you don't want your boot 
you don't want any slop in your boot at all. Whereas grinds, you kind of like, you're, you're in a grind and you're leaning into it. You don't, I don't know, your foot needs a little bit of space and you need a flexi skate to, for proper post sliding. Like you don't need a really rigid um, skate for grinds, at least for me. So I was very excited. It was just as winter was happening, but I moved to the blue Them Intuitions and uh, very impressed. That and Anti-Rocket was a, the perfect novel setup to have going into the winter. And then there's lots of stuff to attempt uh, going into the spring and summer for wheel tests, um, different anti-rocker wheel tests, different lengths of frames, skating anti-rocker. I'm very excited. I'll probably do a video on that eventually where I update for the them boots. Because um, I, I think, I don't know how long it's been. I, I can't remember if I had the Darce skates or not for that them skates discussion video, but I'll do a follow-up to it. I'll lose core points because uh, setup videos, you know, definitely it's, it's not core to talk about your setup, but it's helpful. So that's why I'm going to do it. What else do we got here? Oh, I watched once Upon a Time in Hollywood in the theater, it was very special because I got to just go to a movie on my own and I didn't have to worry about taking care of a kid or anything. I would just went to the movies. And like I said, if I'm gonna go watch a movie or sit at home and watch a movie by myself, it has to be something good. You know, if I'm watching something just uh, with the wife, it can be whatever. It doesn't have to be a super serious, intense movie. And I don't watch a lot of Netflix or anything like that. But Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was so great. And it reminded me that... Thank you, Hank. Quentin Tarantino is the biggest grom for movies and cinema. And you feel it in that movie. And having groms for things, like people who are older, but they're still obsessed with things... Um, it's important, people who are obsessed with music or rollerblading or skateboarding or movies or whatever, but you could feel it in that movie that the attention to detail and the love that he has for uh, just movies. You hear him on this podcast called uh, The Rewatchables that he was just on. His knowledge and obsession with movies and actors, um, it's infectious to hear him talk about it, and the movie is infectious because of He's seen, I don't even know how many more movies than us. The references that he's, or the inspiration that he's able to take. And um, it was really inspiring. It felt like a, a very unique experience that we're in this age of streaming and comic book movies that you wake up the next day and you forget what you even watched. The, a lot of things don't stick, but that movie definitely stuck. Um, and it was kind of, it's feeling like the end of an era for a certain type of movie that like these big event movies that aren't comic book or blockbuster things. It's like you go to the movies to see a Quentin Tarantino movie, whether you like his work or not, uh, just, just his um, quality and consistency between movies. You know, there's like the big name directors. I don't like, uh, like Christopher Nolan's one of those guys like, oh, there's a new Christopher Nolan movie coming up. I don't, it's not 
what, Inception? That's like one of those movies that you say you really like because you think you're supposed to say you really like, like Inception, that's such a good movie. That's, that's a good movie. This, these are all opinions though. Um, and I saw Joker. Joaquin Phoenix's performance was really good, but uh, I think I would have loved that movie when I was 13 or 14. Cause like, so, so edgy. It definitely made me feel bad after too. I didn't have a good feeling after I watched the movie. It's worth experiencing though. Yeah, I just, uh, that note was just about how to have groms for things that the world is better because Quentin Tarantino takes his movie gromness to an extreme level and creates stuff out of it. So there's that. What else do my notes say? Oh, Baker four is the Irishman of action sports. It feels like how I said the decade went by so quickly. There was a point where like, I didn't feel older and then I hit 35-ish and I started to feel like a little bit older. And now um, I know that a certain era has passed for action sports and movies and music and everything's moved on to something new. Also that the 90s are just as far away or further away. Like the way that we thought of the 60s when we grew up in the 90s is what the 90s are now. And that one is such a mind fuck for me to think about um but that's what's happening that that there's people who are were born in 2000 that are turning 20 who didn't exist in the 1990s when so much legendary stuff happened for uh, movies music action sports this you know this decade that was so uh, influential obviously and so important had so many important things happening to us um when i watched baker four it was so crazy you get really crazy feelings the irishman had it as well or where you just know that you're an you're an older you're not an old person but you're an older adult um enjoying something that's related to something that you liked a long time time ago and you know that it's changed and there's so many things that you can't put into words about uh, how it's different now and it makes you reflect. See, I'm talking about things that gave me really visual, you know, movies or things that are really good. They're hard to put into words. So I, I enjoyed um, The Irishman and, and Baker Four equally for the same reasons. Although I wasn't, a, I had no time as an Italian uh, gangster when I was younger, so I can't really relate. But I understand it's a filmmaker who is reflecting on everything that he's made. Um, and I guess framing it in a different way. Um, and then Baker 4 was similar, like it was cool that a lot of those people, they're older, a lot of them are sober now, but then it was cool to see Dustin Dolan hasn't changed and there was comfort in that. Um, and if you don't know anything about skateboarding uh, or the old Baker stuff, that's fine too. You, you would still enjoy this video. There's a, there's a younger generation coming up, but then the older generation's still there. But the whole idea of action sports is even something kind of 
old, older now. Um, and just the time passed between those videos and the time that they filmed that video for it was just really interesting. I highly recommend it. Irishman, I don't recommend as much as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, but definitely experience it. If you have to split it up into two watches, that's fine. You know what's weird? When people say, oh, that movie's so long when it's two and a half or three hours, but then they'll watch like six hours of television in one night or they'll binge a show in two or three days. People's ways of um, consuming stuff for media is really, really weird. It's good and it's bad. Like I love that there's the new formats and that YouTube's not tied down to any amount of time, but it's, it is weird that like sitting down to watch a, a longer skate video feels laborious, whereas you could watch like a 20 minute vlog of a person talking about something or like you could listen to a longer podcast. Anyways, that's besides the point. Uh, oh yeah, we gave the last Best of Blade happened. This was the last one. There will be no more Best of Blade um, after this. So it was very important to have a very focused last one. And I remember after I watched Devotion, I knew exactly what the Best of Blade was going to be. So if you haven't seen Devotion, Leon Humphreys and John Lee, you almost want it like it's you get such a good feeling from it that you almost want to say it's rare. Like you talk about the skater in the section, but this one was so much you could it, it was both of them that you could really feel that both of them worked really hard on that and created that. And that's why it, it, it got Best of Blade is that everything that the best when rollerblading is at its best is all in that video. It wasn't, there was logos at the start, but it wasn't to promote anything. Um, it was two people really focused on a goal to make a project. Uh, and they were out in the streets uh, with real human, communicating with real human beings. Um, and yeah, going along with the ritual and tradition of working on stuff with your friends, regardless of what the final outcome is, is that uh, you could really feel how important it was that they were out trying to make something, uh, doing tricks in the streets, filming them really good. I, yeah, it was just such a great collaboration that it's all there, like all the inspiration that you would need for the next decades there. Uh, so that's why it was really important to not have any other awards and just have those two. Also, Best of Blade is tied up at the, at the end of uh, the 2010s. Is that what they're called? I think so. Best of Blade is tied up at the end of the 2010s because I know I've said this a lot over the past, I don't know, over a decade, but, but more than ever now, skating's in such a good place for products, styles, visions everybody's doing it for the right reasons for the most part there's lots of people coming back to it who want to rekindle their youth even if it's doing a, a few grinds at a skate park or getting back in shape it's such a great time that there's there's not really any reason for best of blade um there's more to 
celebrate than poke. There was a lot to poke fun at kind of in the middle of the last decade um, and a couple years after, but I think it's better to just celebrate the stuff that's really good. And I think that the perfect thing to celebrate that was good at the end of this decade was devotion. There's so much good stuff this decade. It's hard to talk about it all. Um, that could be an article or podcast or it'll come through in commentaries how important this decade was. But if you were to watch one other thing besides devotion, the lost tapes is really good. The Haitian Meg lost tapes is really good. That's a good one. But there's a bunch of good ones. So, this was definitely a scatterbrained organization podcast. But thank you for listening. And please consider joining the Patreon if you want to hear things like this that won't get released. Or hang out on live streams, get more insight into the process of the upcoming videos. Or, I don't know, whatever else. What, how do you think we should use Patreon? What's good and what's bad? How would you want us to use Patreon? It's still kind of like, I'm figuring out this new, it's a kind of an exciting format. Um, so let me know what you would want to see out of a skating Patreon. Part of it is just, I was posting so much on Instagram and Facebook over the decade that I kind of want to do more focused and post with more meaning and not on those things. and mostly just on the Patreon. So if you're interested in that, support, follow. If not, no big deal. Videos and things will still come out and you can save yourself money. So thank you and keep skating or something.